and it could happen any day. While the Jews continued to look for signs and the Jewish nation continued to look for the various things that are in the scripture when the establishment of the millennial reign, we as believers need only wait for our Lord from heaven and everything has been fulfilled for him to come at any moment and at any time. And that's the reason why we have to be renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Amen? So the imminent return of Jesus should motivate us to live holy lives, lives separated unto God. Amen? Not to please God to get salvation, but to walk pleasing to the Lord because we are in that salvation. Amen? Hallelujah. So I want us to look at a couple of scriptures because some people will say, well, you know, the rapture is an escapist theory. And I just say, uh, duh. <laughs> because Jesus clearly said, he said, watch and pray. He said that you don't get drunk in, this, in the things of this world. You don't get so attached to the things of this world. He says that you pray that you may have strength. That you may escape. This is Luke 21. That you may escape these things that are coming upon the earth. So it's an escape. Jesus called it an escape, so I'm just going to call it an escape too. Amen? Because it is. Praise the Lord. We've been redeemed. We're not uh, subject to the wrath of God. Amen? Jesus took the wrath of God on my behalf. How about you? Amen? It says in uh, <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3, Verse number 10, Jesus is talking to the church and he's talking to the seven churches um, that are in Asia Minor, but they are representative of all the church age. And um, in, to the church of Philadelphia, he says, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from, not keep you through, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. And he says, I'll keep you from the trial. Now that word trial in the Greek is the same, gives the same uh, indication of the trials and tribulations and the plagues and all the things that God did in Exodus to bring out his, his promised people. Amen. So it's talking about a time of trial, of tribulation, a time of trouble. And he says, listen, I'm not going to have you go through that. I'm not going to take you through. I'm going to take you out. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's so anyhow. So we, we basically left off at second Thessalonians chapter two. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I, I shared a little bit on this, and I may do some review before we go into a little deeper into this. <clears throat> but what has happened is, if you read 1 Thessalonians, you know that the Apostle Paul begins to tell them about the rapture of the church, which is the resurrection of the Old Testament. It's the resurrection. And uh, so he begins to share with them about the dead in Christ. They will rise first, and we who are alive, we shall be transformed or changed. And, you know, uh, 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be transformed and changed, and we will meet the Lord in the air. Amen? And when we talk about the second coming of Christ, we need to realize that the Bible t differentiates between the rapture of the church and his parousia, his coming to set up his kingdom, okay? But it's all referred to as the day of the Lord. It's all referred to. The entire seven-year period of tribulation from the time that the church leaves the, leaves the earth to the time that they come back to the earth for the millennial reign and even into the millennial reign is known as the day of the Lord. And so we need to understand that, okay? Now, his taking care of the Antichrist and exacting judgment in Armageddon happens in one day, yes. one physical 24-hour period. 
uh, he does that. But the whole tribulation from the time that the church is taken out to the time that the millennial reign begins is known as the day of the Lord over and over and over again. And in fact, uh, we go back to the book of Revelation. Let's, let's go back over there. Uh, Revelation chapter, well, chapter 2, I believe. Yeah, chapter 2. Jesus again refers to this, to the church, and he says this in verse number 20. Let's see here. My goodness gracious. 28. He says, and I will give him the morning star. He talks about those that endure and hold on till the end and those that believe his word. He said, I will give them the morning star. Now that's very, very important to understand. The morning star was an allusion to the first star that shines, which is Venus. And that's when the sun is about to crest up and come into, you know, the day begins, you know, as far as our physical day here. And so the rapture is the morning star. See, that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the morning star. The Jewish nation is waiting for the sun of righteousness. Do you understand? Okay, the morning star gives a glimpse that something's coming over on the horizon. But the sun of righteousness is in full view. Amen? So you see two types of the coming of Christ. One is just something that only those who are watching will be able to see. But when Jesus comes in all of his glory and the son of righteousness arises with healing in his wings, everyone will see him. Amen. And they'll see him. Praise the Lord in all of his glory and splendor. And uh, you know what? All of Israel shall be saved when they see their true Messiah. Amen. So we've got two aspects. We've got the morning star, which is basically the dawn. And then we have the full sun of righteousness. And those are the two aspects of his second coming. And go back to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And you'll see here it says, now concerning. Now that's a wrong translation. That's a wrong translation. It means now... It says, concerning or on account of, now on account of, because he's, he's, he's introducing this as actual fact. He's telling you that he's talking about the second coming of the Lord. He's talking about the rapture of the church. That is the whole purpose of the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians. They were unsure. They were facing persecution. They thought they'd missed it. And they were in the day of the Lord. They were in the tribulation period. Have you ever felt like you were left behind? Have you ever been feared like you were left behind? That maybe you couldn't get a hold of your wife or get a hold of somebody on the phone and you think maybe they went and you're there by yourself? Well, some these people felt that they were left behind because they were facing absolute severe persecution, okay, at the time. And so there was a false letter that was sent around that basically in a teaching that said, you know what, you've missed the rapture. We are in the day of the Lord. Everybody wants to expedite it and make it happen real fast. And these people were freaking out. And the apostle Paul, he says, now listen, now it says concerning, but it says on account of this, on account of this, I'm going to talk to you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and are being gathered together to him. So he's talking about the rapture. The rapture is us being gathered together to him. He doesn't come to us, although he does appear, but we go out to him. The second coming is he comes down and he establishes his kingdom. He comes down and makes his presence known. But when it comes to the rapture of the church, we are gathered to him in the air. Amen? Okay, and he says, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either 
by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So he's basically saying the day of the Lord has not come. Okay. He says, let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless. So he's given you what will happen before the day of the Lord can even come about. Would you like to know what that is? Amen. Some of you already know it. Unless, and now my translation says, the rebellion comes first. But we studied that word, didn't we? We studied that word. And it means departures, what it means. It means a departing. Now, it could mean a departing from the faith, and that's really what their, you know, their emphasis is. But I do not believe that that flows with the entire context of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It just doesn't flow with it because he's talking about the rapture of the church. So obviously he's not talking about universal backsliding. Hello. Otherwise he would say, now concerning or in lieu of backslidden Christians, he's not saying that. He's saying, listen, in regards to and in the context of the coming of our Lord and our gathering together of him. This is what he's talking about. This is the topic in discussion. He has not changed his topic. He says that the day will not come unless there is a, King James says, falling away. It really means departure. Unless there's a departure first. And what is he talking about? A departure from doctrine? A departure from, you know, um, the key <clears throat> principles of faith. No, he's talking about the church's departure. Because he says very clearly right here, you know, we got to go through the whole verses. He says, unless the departure comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So, the Antichrist or the man of sin or the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, can't even reveal himself until the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is taken out of the way. Let me say that again. The man of sin, the son of perdition, cannot reveal himself, cannot openly reveal himself and function in his abilities in that time unless the church is taken out of the way. We would expose him because when the church is extracted, darkness will overtake the world. And darkness is ignorance, darkness is deception, Darkness is the delusion that will come upon the earth that will cause them to gravitate to this pseudo-Messiah. Amen? Amen? Okay. So notice it goes on and says this. It says, Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple, and that word for temple there. It's very interesting. It is the uh, Greek, Greek word that means holy of holies. Amen. So this is a legitimate temple. This isn't a made-up temple. This isn't a temple of the Antichrist. This is God's temple. So that tells me this, that in order for Jesus to, to come and to be, you know, the King of kings and Lord of lords that he is in the 19th chapter of Revelation has to be a temple built. And guess what? They're, they're working hard to try to get that thing built. They're doing everything in their power to build it. We should see that thing in the next five years. Probably we'll have a temple up on the temple mount. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're preparing. They've actually got the ashes of the red heifer now. They've actually duplicated the red heifer uh, calf and they, they're getting all the things together and they're looking up and finding people that are of the tribe of Levi so that they can operate as Levitical priests. What you need to understand, my friends, is that God 
rent the veil when Jesus said it is finished. He left that temple and that temple was destroyed by the Antichrist armies. Oh, come on now. Because the, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. And the Roman Empire is the one that destroyed it. And it will be the Roman Empire again that will bring about the Antichrist. He destroyed it in A.D. 70 because God filled another tabernacle. He filled another temple. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, it says they were all in one accord in one place. And they heard a mighty rushing wind. Praise God, God filled the temple of the body of Christ. But that tells us another thing. That once God extracts the temple that he is using today, he will go back to the temple worship of the Old Testament during the time of the tribulation. It will go to an Old Testament form. You'll begin to see sacrifices and things of that nature. Otherwise, the Antichrist can't cause the, old, the de, uh, abomination of desolation because you can't, uh, you can't make it abomination if it isn't sacred. And if it's just a dummy temple that doesn't have any power or any honor in it, there's no way that he can desecrate it. But the Bible says that he will desecrate it. Why? Because it reverts back. And that should tell you something, that the tribulation is never about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a time of Jacob's trouble, and it wraps up God's dealings with Israel and the promises that he made to them. Are you with me? Okay. Let's go down a little further. So the Holy of Holies, he's going to set himself up in the Holy of Holies. Okay. Proclaiming himself to be God. He says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining. What is restraining him or the man of sin now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness or the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Only he, notice that, who now restrains it. Notice that, he changes to an it. It will do so until he is out of the way. I like what the original Greek says. Until he is out of the midst. Remember we told you about the raptures, harpazo, it means to seize forcefully. You know, harpazo, harpooning. As you know, harpoon a fish, you, you get it in that boat, amen, as fast as you can. And that's exactly the action of that's going to happen. It could happen tonight, could happen tomorrow, could happen next week. Amen. Jesus is coming for his church. Amen. And that we got to live ready. We got to live ready because it'll, it'll be sudden. It'll be quick. Amen. Then everything's going to change. Everything on planet earth changes overnight like that. Okay. So who is restraining? The, the Holy Spirit within the church is what is restraining the man of sin what is restraining the Antichrist. See, that's what we're called to do. We're called to, you know, listen, we're not going to keep the slide from happening, but we certainly need to buckle down, dig in our heels, and impede the slide. Amen? That means when we see wrongdoing, we need to speak up. That means that we need to, you know, continue to proclaim the gospel and proclaim the truth. It's because we impede the slide. The slide's going to happen. We know that from the scripture. That doesn't mean we go off and retire and forget about it and not think about our neighbors anymore or not think about those in other countries. We need to be about helping people get life and life more abundant before Jesus comes for his church. Amen? 
So the restrainer is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And when it is taken out of the midst of the earth, it's God's temple again being taken out. And then it will revert back to the Old Testament way. Okay. All right. You like that. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. It says, and then, notice that, the lawless one, will, lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deceptions for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Now notice this. This is not innocent people here. These are people that have refused the gospel message. They have resisted it and refused it and did not consider it. Notice what happens to them, though. It says, therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. My translation says, but the King James says, they will believe the, the lie, not a lie, the lie. Okay? So there's a big lie coming. That will deceive, Jesus talked about this, that would deceive even the very elect, he said. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, who's left behind? Those who have pleasure in unrighteousness. Those who would not believe the gospel message. Those who would not humble themselves but continue to stay with their own stubborn will and their stubborn desires and those that have rejected God and didn't want anything to do with him. Those are the ones that are left. That's sobering. That's absolutely sobering because I know people that are on that road right now. How about you? It's sobering. We got to do our job. We got to press in and we got to pray. So Jesus talked about this. Let's look at Matthew chapter 24. I had all kinds of scriptures up there, but I sensed the flow going this direction. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go this direction. That's all right, right? Amen. Matthew 24. Jesus is touring the temple in um, Jerusalem. And it says in verse number one, it says, And Jesus left the temple and was his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these? Do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now he said that 40 years before it happened. He said, you know, they were looking at the temple and he says, you know what, you see all these buildings here? He says, they're all going to be torn down. There's not going to be one stone left upon another. And the reason why there wasn't one stone built upon another is because the temple housed a lot of gold. And what happened is, is they set it on fire to get, melt the gold and it got in between the bricks. And they had to take the bricks apart to be able to get the gold. The Romans took all the gold from that temple. That temple was totally and utterly eradicated. And Jesus said it 40 years before it happened. We're not just dealing with any ordinary book here, all right? And so as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? Now notice that's the first question. Tell us when will these things be? When this temple is not going to have one block upon another. 
and what will be the sign of your coming? That's the word parousia in the Greek. They're not talking about the rapture because they don't know anything about any rapture. And he says, and of the end of the age. So we've got three questions here. Tell me, when will those things be that you just talked about? And what will be the sign of your coming, of your second coming? And of the end of the age. Because we want to know how this wraps up. Notice it doesn't say end of the world. Jesus never used the word, word end of the world. You see that end of the world? It, end of the age. Amen? And he goes on and he says this. He says, And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But notice what he says. But the end is not yet. The end is not yet. Just because we're seeing wars and rumors of wars, and just because we're seeing in verse 7, nation or ethnic group rising against ethnic group, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginnings of the birth pangs. He's saying this isn't the tribulation, but this is the start of it. So when we have stuff like in, in um, Luke talks about plagues, Luke talks about uh, earthquakes, signs in the heavens, things of that nature. Those are the birth pangs. And when a woman is about to give birth to a child, she'll go through birth pangs, generally five to seven minutes apart. And we have been in the birth pain process for quite some time. I believe that we have been in the birth pain process since 1948. When Israel became established as a nation, that was the stopwatch that clicked this thing into motion. Because Israel had to be a nation before any of this could be fulfilled. And I believe once the fig tree bloomed, then guess what? The fruit is right around the corner. It's going to happen. And it is happening. So we're seeing earthquakes. We're seeing famines. We're seeing great ethnic uh, wars between different ethnicities. Right now, even in our own United States of America, we've got ethnic group against ethnic group. We've got kingdoms against other kingdoms. And the kingdom isn't just, you know, Prince Charles or King Charles now. Kingdom could be technology. Hello. You know, the Bible talks about the establishment of 10 kings. Well, did you know that when it comes to kings, you know, we don't have kings like we used to have back in those days. But we've got oligarchs. And you're hearing a lot about oligarchy right now. You're hearing a lot about, guess what? Governments don't run the world. Companies do. How can you be an oligarch? You don't necessarily have to be of noble blood. You just got to have a lot of money. Hello? The World Economic Forum, that's just a bunch of rich people that want to run, run the world. They want to run the world. They don't have any, they're not public servants, but they want to tell you what you can eat. They're wanting you to eat bugs now. They even got actors doing advertisements of eating bugs, crickets, and saying, mmm, yum, I like crickets. Guess what? Impoverished nations eat bugs, not nations that are prosperous and have civilization. You eat bugs when you're broke. It is not something to look at and say, oh, I am, I am erudite and I am cosmopolitan because I'm eating crickets and roaches. That's what people that have no food eat. But yet they want to sell it to you 
that that is a form of protein, that we need to get rid of all these cows because their farts are making holes in the ozone layer. That's serious. That's serious. That's World Economic Forum right out of there. Too much methane gas is coming out from these cows, and we got to stop it. In fact, there's a whole uh, uproar in the Netherlands right now because farmers aren't able to get farmland because they've put a stop to the, the production of cows, and they want to do it around the world, friends. They want to control the food supply. And they want you to think it's, you know, Nicole Kidman. When's the last movie she ever made? Anybody that married Tom Cruise is whack. I'm not going to, I ain't going to listen to that. But she's sitting there smiling, talking about eating crickets. Pulling them out of a bag and eating these crickets and acting like it's so yummy. Did you know that actors are actors? They play like they like something. I've taught you this before. The Bible says that in the last days, evil seducers will wax worse and worse. That word seducer means actor. It means magician. What is an actor? An actor is a magician. Makes you believe something that is not real. They make you believe they're a lieutenant in the Marine. They make you believe that they're a doctor. They make you believe. And you fall for it. So when you see them out on the street, you think they're the characters that they portray. Oh my goodness gracious, you don't even know their name, but you know their characters. And then when they start telling you, start eat crickets and stop eating meat and get you some of those burgers that Because that's the hip thing to do. We do it all in Hollywood. We do it all like that in New York City. We're the upper echelon. That's a lie. They're hypocrites. Hello. And so these 10 kings, I believe, are social media kings, technology kings. You don't necessarily have to have physical territory to have influence in the world. You just got to have a whole lot of money. You can get any, listen, in the world, not in the church, hopefully not in the church, but in the world, you can get any person you want if you've got money. Hello. You see these guys, I mean, they, they don't have a chance in the real world, but because they got money. Come on now. This world system runs on the love of money, guys. Runs on the love of money. Yes, it does. Okay. So he says, all these are but the beginning of birth pangs. That means it's just beginning. Just, oh, time them, honey. Have you ever remember that? Time them, honey. You know, going down the road. How many, how many minutes between each? You know. When Karen was pregnant with the twins... I had to take her in an old bumpy car that didn't have any shocks. We drove clear to Claremore from Sand Springs, and every bump we hit, boom, 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 you know, she'd hold her belly. Those birth pangs, those will just hit her. And that's really what this is. What we're seeing in our nation, what we're seeing around the world is just birth pangs. Notice Jesus uses then in the next verse, then. So we see succession. Jesus is talking about a succession. So then, this is after the birth pangs are over. This is the first half of the tribulation he's talking about right now, here. Okay? He says, then they will deliver you up to uh, uh, tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end 
will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, is he talking about the church there? He's not even talking to the church. He's talking to his Jewish disciples. They ask him, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the end of the age? They're asking very important questions that every Jewish disciple wants to know. They've studied it. They know what the Torah says. And they know what the prophets say. And they know what the psalmist says. But yet they still wanted more clarity and more light on it. And Jesus clearly tells us that it's just the beginning of sorrows. You're going to see wars. You're going to see rumors of wars. You're going to see um, plagues. You're going to see you know, viruses, you're going to see pandemics, you're going to see all this. And he's, you notice he didn't say, and God sent them. Hello? He's not saying anything about God sending these things. He's saying it's just part of a fallen world. And as this world gets more and more fallen, we're going to that day in which Jesus is going to come and save the day. Okay? And so we have the first half of the tribulation right there in these verses. From verse 9 to verse number 14, we have the first half or the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Okay, So then we go to verse 15 and now we enter into the second half of the tribulation. Notice he is not talking to the church. He's talking to Jewish disciples. Amen? You got to understand that context. He says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Now notice that. Jesus alludes to the book of Daniel. And he says, You know what I'm talking about. Go back to the old scrolls, look up the book of Daniel, and he's talking about Daniel chapter 7, 8, 9, and even up to 12. He's talking about the work of the Antichrist. And so basically he says what delineates between the first three and a half years to the second three and a half years is that the Antichrist will set himself up, just like we read in 2 Thessalonians, he will set himself up as God in the temple of God. And he will say, worship me or die. Okay? I'm running out of time here. Let's go to Daniel. Go to the Old Testament. Look at this. Daniel. <clears throat> Daniel chapter, let's look at the chapter, let's see. Well, I think Kevin alluded to this or taught on this when I was gone. Daniel chapter 9. And let's look at first, well, let's see here. Let's see where I want to go here. Let's go to Daniel 7. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a vision and a dream. He's been praying because he knows that the people of God are about to be released from their captivity that was once exacted by Babylon. Now they're in the uh, medial Persian Empire, and uh, he knows that it's getting close or that it has already passed, depending on what commentator you want to talk about. And so he begins to pray about his people. Now, this is a young man that was probably in his preteens when he was taken into captivity. So he's lived his whole life in captivity. Now, God was good to him and gave him up, upper echelon places in the kingdom, but he was still a slave. He was absolutely still a slave. But he was raised in this, and he wants his people to be free and to go back and to worship God in their temple, in their home that God gave them. Okay? 
So he prays earnestly, and God sends an angel to come and tell him this prophetic word about his people. But he shows him four beasts, four beasts, starting in the first chapter, first verse of the seventh chapter, he shows him four ravenous beasts. Well, they, they look like, you know, that's, that's the amazing thing about Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream? He, he saw a big colossus that was beautiful, head of gold, you know, bronze, uh, you know, um, silver, bronze, and, and, and brass or, or uh, iron. And uh, it looked magnificent. And that's the way man looks at their kingdoms. They see them as magnificent. Well, God gives Daniel a dream of four nasty, gnarly beasts. And in God's eyes, man's kingdoms look like that. What do beasts do? You might be able to pet them every once in a while, but they're going to bite you. They might even eat you. And that's the governments of this world, no matter what style of government there is. You're going to have things that will turn against you and, and, and will not serve humanity. And he, he talks about that. Now, basically, they're the four empires that Daniel deals with. The Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire. So he starts to talk about the fourth empire. And it is a nondescript beast that is exceedingly fierce. Notice what it says. In verse number seven, it says, After this I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast. This is the Roman Empire, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Those are those ten kings that I was talking about. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little horn. So you've got these ten horns that represent the ten oligarchs that are over this kingdom right here, and then a small horn pops out in the midst of them. And this small horn is a type of the Antichrist. It is the Antichrist coming into power and ruling over these 10 oligarchs. I'm using oligarchs because we don't understand kings. We don't have but one. We, well, we don't have a king and we'll never have a king. And you know what, guys? I could care less what happens with the monarchy, guys. I mean, I think I checked out in 1776. I hope you did too. Hello? But you might have a king of Monaco. You might have a king of the United Kingdom. He's really not, not he's a facile king. He's not, not anything that can do anything. Hello, he just has money. But when you talk about kings being able to take territory, you've got a whole other worlds that people have influence over. Financial realms, uh, tech realms, political realms. Um, social media. You know, I still think Mark Zuckerberg's an alien. <laughs> but see, you, you, that's a joke, guys. Don't take me seriously. It's a joke. Get my tinfoil hat on. But he does look like an alien sometimes. It looks like he's either that or he's AI. But these people have ex great power. If you don't think they do, just look at the last election. Yes. That's right. They've got great power. They don't only exert their power in the United States, they exert their power all over the world. And there's really no restriction because you have realms that aren't physical realms that can be taken over. Amen? And so these 10 oligarchs, they have you know, this kingdom, which is a revived Roman empire because it's the same empire. It's a brass or a, a bronze empire or goodness gracious, iron, iron empire. Okay. And so, um, 
there is revived and this little horn pops up and this little horn begins to boast great things and he's got written on him blaspheming and he blasphemes against God and he speaks against God and he speaks against everything but yet he gets control over these 10 other kings. Now, three of them turn on him and he destroys them. He absolutely annihilates them. Egypt is one of them. Egypt is one that will turn. Somebody in Egypt or maybe even Egypt itself turns on him and he utterly destroys Egypt. We don't know what the other two are, but we can tell you that he's going to exact his wrath on these other two. And so the kingdom will all come to him and he will be the sole ruler of the world. Amen? He will rule it all himself. And it'll be gradual. He'll take what they've built. It will become his. Do you think you're going to survive that? People say, well, I'm going to wait till, you know, the, the rapture happens and then I'll get saved. You're a fool. An absolute fool. The Bible says that he has been given power to wear out the saints, to kill them. Now, what saints are we talking about? Are we talking about you and I? No, because we're going to be gone. He's talking about those that call upon the name of the Lord after the rapture. There's going to be a big revival after the rapture because they're going to say, Grandma was right. I saw Grandma floating and I said I had to get on my knees and I gave my heart to the Lord. You missed the rapture, but at least you got your soul saved. And so we'll have revival, revival. Literally millions and millions of people will get born again during the tribulation period. But they'll pay with it with their life. I'd rather pay with it with my life right now. How about you? By giving my life to the Lord and saying, I'm not going to live unto myself, but unto him who died and rose again. Amen? I'm here to tell you, friends, we need to warn people about what's coming upon the earth. And now we just saw where Pope Francis met with the leaders of Islam and has now combined Christianity or Catholicism. It's not true Christianity. I'm sorry, guys, if I offend you. And Islam are coming together and becoming one. That's happened just this past week. And you don't think this is the end times? You don't think we need to be looking to the sky? You don't think that you need to tell your neighbor and tell your family and tell anybody you can that Jesus is coming, I'm telling you, it's wrapping up big time. I've ran out of time. But I'm here to tell you guys, it's time to get serious. It's time to get serious. This stuff is wrapping up. If you can't look on your social media, you can't look on your timeline and not see that something is happening. I mean, they, are, they don't even try to hide it anymore. They don't even try to. They blatantly lie to you. While the fact, I mean, Joe Biden giving a, uh, talking about how he has killed inflation while the ticker of the Dow is going down, down, down. They'll lie to you while the evidence is right there that it's not even true. And they have not backed down from that. I mean, if I was president, I'd say, oh my goodness gracious. Something is amiss. Maybe, maybe I'm messed up. No, they double down. They're doubling down. You want to know why? Why? Because they think you're stupid and you're dumb. 
They think you're broke and poor and you just want you're just waiting to see their next tweet or their next post. And they got all their social influencers that are backing them up and you're watching them do their little dances and do their and cook food. And you're enamored with them because they got money. I mean, you need to get your focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and stop focusing on these fools. I could care less if I could throw a football. I could care less if they could, you know, score points on a, in a basketball game. You could care less about that. That is not somebody that I'm going to follow. I'm not going to listen to their life lessons. I'm not going to listen to them. I'm going to listen to the truth of the word of God. Hello. They're not even hiding it anymore. They're just telling you, no, no, there's no violence in the streets. And you see story after story after story of people being pummeled, being hurt, being shot, being killed. Oh, nothing's wrong. What is that? Spirit of lawlessness. Hello. Come on now. People just acting jacked up, doing stuff, unsubmitted, dishonoring to their parents, just saying all kinds of nasty stuff to their parents. Hello. Resisting them, not listening to them, not listening to any authority. Nobody can talk to them. Nobody can. Nobody can bring a word of correction anymore. Nobody can help and assist. Oh, you hurt my feelings when you said that I didn't swing the bat right. Well, how are you going to get better? We live in a participation trophy world. And now they're making meta world where you can actually become whoever you want to in a, in a, in a, I've got, there are churches that are actually buying real estate in the digital world, in the cloud to put their churches in so that unreal people dressed like a goat man or whatever they want to dress like and what kind of avatar they want to be can go to church in the metaverse. Hello, it's crazy. People ain't even going to leave their homes anymore. You can be anything you want to be. If you want to be a woman, you can be a woman. You can have an avatar as a woman. What a surprise for all your friends. Hello. And now it's, it, um, people are buying real estate in the cloud right now. for thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Companies, you can shop there, you can, and it's all there, and it's all meant to get you into a secret world that will captivate and enchant you and keep you from receiving the truth of the Word of God. You're getting into quantum internet. You want to know why they're putting all those satellites in the sky? You know why all those towers in? Because they're going to create a quantum matrix over the whole world. And you will be able to, you know why the government wants you to have free access to the internet? They want you to have that because they want you connected. They want you in it. They can track you in it. And they know you'll probably participate in it as well. And they want to know. And so you, more people will begin, and there's people that have done this, Second Life, The Sims, I remember The Sims, people are living their lives vicariously through digital avatars. You don't think the Antichrist is going to exploit that? It's a means of mind control, friends. I know that sounds a little weird, but it's the truth. And it's happening like that. They say we're three to five years from it totally being totally activated. 
quantum internet and the quantum speeds means that you will have plugged in to your head the ability of all the information that the internet holds accessing. And I believe that's what the mark of the beast will be. I believe it'll be some kind of connection to that matrix. And you won't be able to buy or sell unless you're in it. I'm telling you, it's getting strange out there. It's getting real strange. People are playing around. People are playing around. I tell you, it's time to wake up. Guess what? Jesus said, don't be afraid of this stuff. When you see this stuff, he said, look up. Don't look down and around. Look up. He says, because your redemption draws near. He means I'm going to come get you. He says, you know what? Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not true, why would I say that I will build a place for you? And I will come for you and I will take you to myself. That where you are, I am also. Amen? Amen. That's what we have to look forward to. That's what we have is we look forward to a Savior splitting the sky, the blessed hope. When it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like everything has just went to hell in a handbasket, praise God, we have a hope. We have a future. We can look up and our Savior who is bigger than anything and everything. There is no Antichrist bigger than Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, there is no beast that can overtake him. Praise God, he is the beast slayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is taking care of sin. He's taking care of sickness. He's taking care of depravity. He's taking care of addiction. He's taking care of demonization. He's taking care of the kingdom of darkness. He's stripped them and left them bare. His death, burial, and resurrection declares that you are an overcomer. You are at the right hand of God the Father right now. You don't need to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, but a power, but a power, but a power and love and a sound mind. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, if you're here tonight, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we've got people that will pray with you. If you need to be born again, rededicate your life to the Lord. If you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or you need healing in your body, don't leave unless you get your needs met right here. Our God is able. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to have a good time on Sunday. We're going to talk about serpents and scorpions. Praise the Lord that you have been given ability to overcome and to tread on all the power of the enemy. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You need to know it. You need to know it. Everybody ought to know. I could sing that song. Everybody ought to know. You remember that in the Baptist church? Everybody. Amen. Everybody needs to know it. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. Let's lift our hands and thank him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. He wants me to tell you that you are more than a conqueror because of him who loved you and that nothing can separate you from his love, that there's nothing that can come against you, that he is not bigger still. Oh, Jesus said it and so, so well in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. He says, my father is greater than all. My father is greater than all. Sometimes you just need to meditate on that, Greg. My father is greater than all. When that, when that giant begins to speak to you and begins to look you right in the eye and tell you you're not going to make it, you need to say, my father is greater than all. My father is greater than all. My father is greater than all. Amen? Hallelujah. You need to say that. You need to make that declaration. Hallelujah. Some of you are dealing with anxiety and fear. You need to stand up and say, my father is greater than all. And build that awareness. Build that awareness on the inside of you of a great God. For greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My father is greater than all. And the greater one lives on the inside of me. And I release that greater one right now into that situation, right now in Jesus' name. And I come against that fear. I come against that stress. I come against that anxiety. I come against that offense right now. And praise God, my Father is greater than all. I said my Father is greater than all. There's not a problem that is bigger than my God. There's not a situation that's better than my God. There's not anything that's stronger than my God. My God is greater than all. My God is greater than all. I said my God is greater than all. My Father is greater than all. My Father is greater than all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sense there's some people that's having some memory issues. It's scaring you. It's scaring you. Scaring you. Just a little bit of that. You know, you think, you know, you maybe have dealt with situations with dementia or Alzheimer's. And it's scaring you that you're not remembering stuff as quick as you used to. My father is greater than all. I said, my father is greater than all. Lift your hands up to the Lord right now. In Jesus' name, I just thank you, Father God, right now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for the Holy Spirit going forth into every life, into everyone that has got their hand lifted right now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father God, that your healing flow is going to go forth and cause healing and strength and health in their mind right now. In Jesus' name, we curse any malady that would try to take their memory from them or their cognitive ability right now in the name of Jesus. And we speak life and health and vitality in Jesus' name. And all the synapses are going to be firing and everything's going to be working. And life is now imparted right now in the name of Jesus. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord wants me to say this. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let the enemy come in and make it even worse in your life by yielding to fear. But know this, that the cares of this life have caused your mind to be busy and has caused you not to be able to function at a high level. Cast your care on me, saith the Lord, for I care for you. And as you begin to operate in that realm of rest, saith the Lord, you will begin to see that you will be sharp in mind because of my Holy Spirit and my word within you. And you will see that your cognitive ability will get stronger and that you will no longer have those problems anymore, but you need to cast your care on me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. You've got to cast your care on the Lord. It's the busyness of mind that's causing you to forget things. That's what the Lord said. Now, that's not for everybody. That's for whoever. Come on. Anybody know who that's for? Does anybody get witness that in their life? 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What the enemy does is he'll bring a symptom, but a symptom is not sickness. He'll bring a symptom to you and how you respond to that symptom determines the level of increase it will have in your life. And so when you find yourself in that spot where you say, my goodness, I'm, 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 don't be saying I'm losing my mind. That is not what you want to say. You need to say, I have the mind of Christ. Nothing is lost in the kingdom of God. And praise God, my brain is strong in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Oh, come on now. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just getting old. No. 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 You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The outward man's going to perish. We know that. But I'm here to tell you, Moses, you see, he, he, his strength wasn't abated. Amen. He was 120 years old. How many 120-year-olds do we have in this house here? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. It's time to rise up in faith. Amen. And believe God. Speak to those symptoms. Speak to your body. Speak to your mind. Speak to your teeth. Or someone's got teeth, tooth trouble right now. They've got pain. They're afraid to go to the dentist. I just begin to speak to that in the name of Jesus. Speak to that fear. You know, sometimes going to the dentist is good. Amen? Speak to that fear. I'm not afraid of the dentist. Come on now. Hello? Somebody dealing with tooth pain, dealing with teeth issues. Hello? You can get that fixed real quick. Hello? Believe God, but go to the dentist if you need to. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen. Oh, glory. Well, praise the Lord. Let's thank the Lord for his goodness and mercy to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. God is good. God is good. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. There'll be counselors up here. I know that there are needs in this house I didn't address. I know there are needs in this house. Don't walk out without your need met. They'll be here. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.